welcome to our Perfecting Potatoes Together podcast brought to you by BASF. My name is Rebecca Dawes and in this year's series we will be travelling across the country to speak to growers, agronomists and independent experts to find out what's happening in the field, in the future and to share some top tips on how to perfect your potatoes. Today I'm heading to Cambridgeshire to speak to Matthew Smith who was crowned winner of the 2023 Rawcliffe Bridge Award for Sustainability alongside his brother Lloyd. The award, which is hosted by BASF, celebrates farming's essential role in food production and environmental stewardship. The brothers have a wide rotation growing 12 crops including wheat, barley, sugar beet, beans, sunflowers, linseed and millet and of course potatoes. Sustainability to them is very much about people, the environment and everything that's linked to it. And that includes how they grow their potato crop. They ensure they have a quite a small supply chain, allowing them to directly communicate and engage with their consumer, supplying a local business who takes their potatoes to Essex and London to supply the chip shops. So we go and speak to Matthew to find out a little bit more. Yeah, we've been growing potatoes as long as I can remember, to be fair. It's changed as we've gone along. Varieties have slowly changed. When I first started on the farm, we were Maris Piper, like most of the fens were. But now the land seems to have got tired of those and the jobs moved on. Possibly our end users looking for something slightly different. So at present, we're growing Sagita and Agria. We've tried many different varieties in between, but we've settled with those two. And our buyers particularly like those now, seemingly. So that's where we are. And with most of them going down to London or Essex for the chip shops or the pie and mash shops and an odd ones into cafes, as I understand. And um, you mentioned you've been growing them for as long as you can remember. What's been the big transition and changes over those years? I think the first and foremost possibly is water being available for some of the other parts of the country. So that's moved the industry away from traditionally fen chippers were a big positive for the industry. It was a big area for us. Um, Labour costs have obviously come into it in a big way quite sharply in the last few years. And like I said, the market at the other end's changed as well. Um, the coastal chip shops have had a thriving trade for many years now, but Inner city ones have got a lot more competition from the takeaways. If I look at our own family, for example, they just as like to go and have a pizza or pasta as they are fish and chips on a Friday night. So, yeah, it's just industry and the world changing as we go along. And in terms of, um, you mentioned about landscape changes, what, and obviously Mouse Pipe are quite intensive on the soil. What have you seen in terms of the soil activity and the changes in your rotation? Yeah, we've definitely the last few years been very conscious of extending our windows of rotations jumped now probably from we were getting close to four or possibly five years on our better land now we've extended that we're aiming for about nine years rotation so that's why we've cut back harshly on our area we don't rent any land in potatoes now couldn't see the risk reward being balanced well enough to do that so you were just as as a farm as a whole we're just trying to improve our soil structure etc so any root crops are a challenge there and in that in mind we use it more as a reset for the soil in some ways now as we as much as we do purely for the crop itself and that reset, and, and you mentioned about a wider rotation, what are you growing either side of potatoes to support that? We just make ourselves busy. We, I think we've got about 11, 12 crops going into the ground this year. Um, we grow millets, sunflowers, linseed, canary seed alongside the traditional pulses and cereals. And we're trying to fit SFI and stewardship around that as well. And that SFI and stewardship, I mean, you've mentioned already their intensive farming, soil health, potatoes can potato farming be sustainable can you do it alongside all the other activity 
I believe everything we do is going to have an effect on the environment around us. I think we can do it better. Do I totally believe in some of the marketing at the moment? No, hand on heart, I don't. And also it comes back to the grower getting the benefit from it as well. It's all very well and the end user putting a sticker on saying this is being grown efficiently, etc. As long as there's a benefit for those who are trying to push the industry forward. Our end users hand on heart in the chip shops really have got no interest in what we're doing on the farm. They're more interested, ironically, in the actual produce we're producing, and that's probably where we're missing it as an industry at the moment. We have to go back to the produce being the key to it, and then the better we can do as we go along makes much more gain then. And in terms of that consumer piece, I know um, when I've spoken to you previously, you also sell potatoes direct to local shops. And how important is that direct selling for you and the family? We've actually come away from that a little bit. We're very keen to keep the supply chain as short as we can. We work with a couple of brothers in the local village who go down to London daily and they'll come in to us two, three days a week. We find that being much better because they know where to put the stuff better than we do. And also it comes back to time as, as we're developing our seed businesses and everything else. We can't be out and about with only two of us. We see the, the phrase, the industry getting more professional. I think we get more specialist is a better way of putting it. I like to think we've always done it for the technology that was available at the time. So our end users, as I've touched on, are probably some of the most switched on and know what they want more than people when we were supplying the shops. When we put into the chip shops, they know exactly what dry matters they want, what they want the chips to look like, and we'll get an instant response literally within a day with complaints, etc. So we're, we're almost as close to the end user as we can be. So I guess that means that puts added pressure on you and your brother Lloyd to be efficient and ensuring that you're meeting that that dry matter how are you managing that efficiency well we'd like everybody else we're pushing our irrigation schedules as close as we can to get that perfection but as this week's proven we've just had 55 mil of rain um, you can have all the gauges you like but they can't tell you what you can have in the next week the forecasts this year have particularly been very random so i think rotation helps varieties help and just working with being honest with our end users what we've got rather than trying to hoodwink them into believing that they're better than they are or vice versa and in terms of, uh, you mentioned there about, uh, obviously, um, irrigation, how are you managing your blight programme? Because there has been a significant conversation this year around increased blight with the weather. Early on in the season, when it was dry, obviously, there was a low pressure. Um, we're very happy to extend it when we need to. Because we're not growing so much now, we can hit the days when we need to. We haven't got that pressure of the spray going every day, like some farms. But we try and work closely with our agronomists and we're always readjusting the products we're using to relate to the pressure at the time. And in terms of agronomists, are you using them to help you advise specifically on potatoes or are you using them across your whole portfolio of crops that you're growing? What specialist support are you, you using? Never been one particularly to use specialist support on potatoes because, again, our end market doesn't have the specific bits or requirements. I've worked on a farm in the past in Suffolk where we have a specialist agronomist come in because it was all about size and getting the crop to harvest on a certain day. Our harvest can stretch week, two weeks either side of where we'd expect to be, so we haven't got that pressure. And I like to have an agronomist work across the whole farm because we're probably looking two, three years ahead for some crops. And he's exceptionally good. He understands what we're trying to do. So as that develops, like I say, we're looking now for two years down the line where we're going to be putting potatoes. So, and, and he's interested in the crop we're putting in between rather than just coming and turning up one day a week just to purely look at one crop. And you mentioned harvest there. Um, how's harvest going this year? And did you get your crops in on time or was it a bit challenging? Again, because we grow so many crops, one thing we're fortunate, we can pick and choose when we go at them. Luckily this year, we didn't have to dry any wheat or barley down. 
we're very conscious of trying to keep our costs down. The beans came in particularly well compared to neighbours. Canary seed we had a week ago, and that was just caught the perfect weather for that. So now we've just got our fingers crossed. Potatoes will start probably about the 10th of October, as I guess. But the millet will be ready about the same time, so that will prioritise if we get a dry day. And then the combine will probably run through November into the sunflowers as well. So, yeah, we're like everybody else. We have some good spells. I don't like to moan about the weather all the time because when we have people come and visit the farm, it gets a bit repetitive for them because I'm either saying it's too dry or it's too wet, like most farmers. So, yeah, we, we take our opportunities as the best way of putting it. I think that's a, that's a good attitude and we should all learn something um, something from it. So potatoes get lifted around about 10th of October. Where do they go? Do you store them or do you send them straight off farm? What's the what's the end game with them? Depending what availability of the guys have we supply, we'll start off. We might stop one morning a week and just do a load into bags to get them going. When they start coming in, they tend to come in the same two or three days a week for us. So most of ours are going to, um, again, another reason why we're in no rush, we're in ambient stores still. So we'd like to see the temperatures just start to cool down a bit to help that storage system as we go forward. And the decision to sort of keep an ambient store, obviously there's a lot of growers that have been investing in cold stores. It's a high expense. Potato uh, growing is, it has got costs with it and there's renewable energies and all sorts of things being considered. What's the thinking behind keeping an ambient store? If I'm honest, I don't know how much enthusiasm Particularly myself, Lloyd's probably more driven to keep potatoes in the rotation than me. Um, we put a new grain store up a couple of years ago, so we had that decision which way we went. And we just wasn't, we're not 100% sure we're going to be in the industry that long to put box stores and cold stores up. And hand on heart, again, going back to looking at our marketplace at the end, our biggest challenge is our potatoes don't need to be cold. They need to be kept warm to help the fry and keep the sugars balanced. So as long as we can clear our stores by January, probably February, we can quite comfortably put uh, ambient air in them. So, and again, it's a cost balance for us. So yeah, at the moment, I'm not saying we'd never do it, but our stores are okay for what we've got. And they've got no other purpose because of the CIPC issues going backwards. And you mentioned, and you've mentioned a few times about that dry matter and making sure that it's the right quality product for, for the chipping shops. What are they looking for actually? Hand on heart. They know exactly what they want. They won't always tell us. We're, look, we're looking for a nice potato that, like I say, sugars are probably the key to it that comes with dry matters. And the irony is I've spoken up, given the big, how they're interested, etc. but supply and demand has been the last, the fantastic thing the last couple of years. Obviously, when everything locked down to COVID, we were lucky we cleared our stores. They got hit badly, and so they're trying to recover that. Last year, when we had an exceptionally dry growing season, they did manage to cope with high dry matters. So yeah, we'll have them tested, they'll go off and we'll communicate them what we've got and then it's price reflecting it, et cetera, so. I'm hearing, as I'm sure you are, there's gonna be a, a bit of a shortage potentially of potatoes this year. So I imagine they'll be chomping at your hands to, to get the crop. I'm hoping that's the way it's gonna go. But again, like I say, we supply inner cities and I'm just, I, I think we need a little bit of a reset on the potato industry in that sort of marketplace. Um, it's probably not as busy as it could have been, but we shall see. It's better than it was going back a few years. So yeah, I'm happy with that. And like I say, high prices are okay, but we've got to look after our end user as well because they're under pressure. The consumer's under pressure. If we can make a nice margin out of it, that's all we're happy with. And you mentioned earlier about um, keeping the supply chain quite short. Is that a conscious decision 
as a result of the way you run the whole farming business or is that just specifically on potatoes? A hundred percent. Both me and Lloyd have um, a real concern about the amount of people who visit farm who are taking a cut out of it but not really adding value to it. We speak so much about adding value to products but I don't want to go down to London every day to deliver potatoes for example so the guys who do that for us I can see where their benefit is. Some of the consultants, etc., the margins are getting bigger for something that's probably a legal requirement rather than a practical gain. So, but, and at the end of the day, I don't want to be sitting in the yard watching somebody else do a job paying them if we could be doing it ourselves. So yeah, we're very much involved for a small farm. So it's, it's the way we can supply the market and get a return back against some of our bigger competitors. And just um, on that note, how where does potatoes fit is it quite a small part of the business sort of how much land is put to potato crop it used to be up to 20 25 percent including the rented in area this year we'll probably be down to i haven't really got the figures but probably about five seven percent of the land and i don't see it increasing because we can do it in-house for the two of us both got children probably lift a couple of weekends so they'll probably come and help if they're available and are you seeing big disease and pest challenges this year? No more than normal. We don't really suffer from the disease and pest problems as much as weed control is our biggest problem being on skirt fen. And there's a real problem if we don't get the canopy covered with the ridges greening up this time of year, which we haven't got as much as we have sometimes, but we do a lot of weed and mechanical weeding on the farm. So that we run through twice before they get a good cover on. And then hopefully we go forward from there. But again, another challenge is obviously the loss of red vine a few years ago. We desiccate our top still because we like to keep the canopy above a little bit. For Like we've just had heavy rain, it just protects the soil and stops it washing off at the top. We were looking to do some trials on some cutting the tops off this year like and hiring machines from the neighbours, but that just hasn't worked in with the weather. So that's probably another one of the challenges going forward. Are you seeing other solutions? Are you using cover crops and other mechanisms to kind of manage some of the challenges that you might be facing? We're using, I wouldn't say cover crops, we try next week, if the weather's right, we'll ridge up all our rows the next season. We'd like to get a natural green on the top, to be honest. It's a, it's a way of, when I say soil structure, etc. it gives us a free hit on black grass. If we can get back in before Christmas, then hopefully get another flush before we go on potato planting. Like I say, it's almost a free hit for us. Cover crops haven't quite worked for us yet. We don't need the organic matter because we're on anywhere between 10 and 20% organic matter is probably a little bit higher on some fields. So cover crops again to me, we've tried mustard in the past for PCN control. It doesn't seem to be an obvious science at the moment, if I'm honest. We haven't got any cover crops from the farm this year. We had some last year, but again, it comes back to policies and everything else and trying to fit them in. But we really do well with our frost molds through the winter. So we'd like to get on it early while it's dry, get it set up for next year, and then let the natural weather do its job. It sounds like you've got a lot going on, as uh, as you always do, Matt, and I will leave you in peace because I know you are hopefully going to enjoy a little bit of time out while the rain is here before madness kicks in uh, next week. But uh, just before we finish up, we always ask our interviewees what their favourite potato dish is. So um, I think I gave you a pre-warning on this, so you may have a good, a good dish up your sleeve. I don't think I'm going to enthuse you with something unusual, but just as a last comment, really, as well as this, I'd like to see the phrase humble potato disappear because... When you ask me this question, I can I enjoy new potatoes through the summer, for example, or I love a roast potato with the family at the weekend. But hand on heart, I've got to say chips, haven't I? It's what our business is based on. Nothing quite like a nice, fresh, well-cooked bag of chips. So, yeah, I'm not going to surprise you. Current climate we're in, it's so important that we get potatoes back as part of the agenda for families to cook, etc. And on the topic of chips, is there a type of chip 
crinkle steak? No, 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 not not oven chips. They have to be fresh sliced from the field. Um, and contrary to a lot of the modern chefs, we don't need Maris pipers. I, I like the skeeter. That's what we grow. That's what the shops love now. So you cook well, cook fresh, possibly as a takeaway in your hand. There's nothing like it. So Fantastic. Well, thank you ever so much for your time today, Matt. And um, hopefully you'll get some chips at the weekend. I do. Thank you. If you enjoyed listening to today's Perfecting Potatoes Together podcast, why not tune in to some of the previous episodes, which you can find on the BASF website by visiting the Perfecting Potatoes Together page. In the meantime, we wish you the best with the rest of the season and look forward to our next podcast next month.